This is a thousand ways to market your business, brought to you by Pushing the Envelope. We're gonna dive deep into all things marketing to help you reach your goals. Tune in and let's grow your business. Welcome to another episode of A Thousand Ways to Market Your Business. I'm Samantha Scott, APR, owner of Pushing the Envelope, and I'm joined today by Hannah Ramsey, our client relations specialist. Yes, I'm thrilled to be back, and today is such a fun topic, too. It's about restaurant and bar marketing. Yes, but don't tune out if you are not in that industry. There's lots of really good nuggets in here for every industry, oh, yeah. um, but we're definitely going to give you some tips on how to make your restaurant, bar, coffee shop, fill in the blank, really stand out with some really awesome tips about marketing. Right, exactly. So first, the real fundamental, we've talked about this in other podcasts if you listen in, is really starting with your goals and the bottom line. So of course, we care about um, making sure we're generating revenue, that we're on track, but we really want to make sure that your marketing efforts are strategic. So starting with what are your business goals? What are you trying to accomplish? Answer that question first. Is this that you're trying to launch a new menu? You're trying to generate a new audience? Maybe you have an older demographic and you're trying to skew younger. Maybe you're opening a new location, etc. Get really, really clear with that first. And then the rest of this will naturally fall in. Exactly. You have to know where you're headed towards before you can set that roadmap to get there. Yep. And you have to know what you're measuring against, too. Yeah. So think about this from, you know, is this just strictly revenue? You want to get more covers or you want more sales of specific menu items? Um, really get specific about that. Or is this more about community engagement, relations? There's lots of other metrics that might be important as well to your business and your brand overall. Um, so do think about that beyond just the bottom line revenue figure. What are some of the other objectives you might have in mind? Right. And when you're considering those objectives too, um, some of the first things to establish are not only a budget, but also your audience. Your audience is super important to know offhand and upfront. Um, and it creates a more informed strategy when you know, like, let's say, for example, since we're talking about restaurants, you're a high-end steakhouse and you're serving, you know, $100 steaks. You're probably not trying to reach a younger person who's not as established in their career who isn't, I don't know, looking for that kind of a thing. They're looking for more of, you know, the, what's trendy and you're looking for more of like the classic, mm -hmm. older. Um, right. They might not have the disposable income either. Exactly. So it might not be of interest, but also mm -hmm. just might not be feasible to them. Right. Yeah. So I think you're exactly right, Hannah. Starting with your target audience is really critical. Um, immediately following having your very clear goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. So knowing who are you talking to and what matters to them. Exactly. I like to say is it's not the me show when we're putting together a marketing plan because how I get information, what I'm looking for, or you as the business owner might be different than that of your target audience. You know, how are they absorbing information? Where are they looking for recommendations? How are they making decisions? What does a day in their life look like and how can you meet them in that where they're most susceptible to taking advantage of the message that you have for them and ultimately taking the action that you want? Right, right. And one thing that we like to recommend is what's called personas. And you literally sit there and you can give this person a name, you can give them a job, you can give them kids, you can do whatever you want with this person as long as it fits into somebody that you are trying to target. What does Mary Jane look like? What does she do on an average day? How does she get her information? Does she watch TV? Does she scroll through Facebook? Does she see things on the bus that she's taking to work every day? Things right. Like that. And while this is fictional, of course, because we're talking about making up this person, Mary Jane, mm -hmm. um, but you also can marry this with stats, right? You're building right. this out with statistics. So we say, generally people of this age range and this geographic area with these interests behave these ways. So you're stacking up what you would suspect with actual statistics and data. Right. So you can really create a strong target audience that 
you can build a plan around knowing what's going to motivate them, what would be of interest, where they get their information. Um, and then making sure that you communicate what sets you apart distinctly to them. Yes. So making sure that what you are trying to communicate, why someone should go to your restaurant, go to your bar, your coffee shop, meets the needs of that target audience. And that's a really mm -hmm. important differentiator right there is that it's not just, hey, come to my place of business because I have great service or food. Everyone's going to say that. But it's about making sure that it meets what they're looking for. So to your point, maybe it's a younger mm -hmm. demographic and they want an experience. So right. come right. to our coffee shop because we have... Um, you know, goats outside doing goat yoga or something, you know, whatever that fun thing is, right? right. Um, it stands out to them. Yes. And along with setting you apart, there's tools and things that will help you set apart, such as, you know, if you're, again, trying to look for that younger audience that's looking for those experiences or something trendy, videos and reels on Instagram are going to be your go-to. Yes. So I'm going to interrupt you right there, but I think that's a super awesome point is that what we're trying to express to you is that these are all things you can do without any fancy equipment yes. or extra staff. Right. So these are things where you can start with little to no budget and start working towards your ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. Use the tools you have already. Mm -hmm. iPhones, smartphones oh, yeah. have incredible capabilities now, and there's tons of apps that are low cost or more advanced if you want where you can make these things for yourself. Um, I am not saying that you should hire your teenager or the kid down the street. We'll have a whole other podcast about that, why it's important to hire someone that actually has experience. Right. But point being, you can use the tools you have to get started on this path. Mm -hmm. And some of that, like Samantha said, could be things that you already have, like an iPhone for filming videos, or there are some very cheap or low-cost um, email platforms that you can get started on. You might already have some of your audience's information and contact, start using it, right? Start reaching out to them. And think about crossover too. So mm -hmm. use the tools you have. Do you already have a website? Should that be right. updated? You probably have a social media presence. Make sure that's current and updated. Maybe you can leverage some paid options there because mm -hmm. it certainly is a pay to play market. It's no longer, mm -hmm. if you build it, they will come organically and you'll have this magical following that doesn't exist. Um, if you have an email newsletter, um, maybe you have a text club or something. Maybe there's an opportunity for signage outside or are you part of a community organization? Right. Um, you know, so this might be something where you're a chamber. So offer a deal for chamber members or some other organization that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. um, and then think about crossover too. You mentioned you might already have your audience information. Well, there's something called a lookalike audience. So if you know this list of people are really great customers and they come regularly, they're part of our loyalty program, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have one of those, that's also a good idea. Um, then you could use that information to create a lookalike audience on social media so you can advertise to people who are probably most similar to your mm -hmm. ideal customer. Those are warm leads, just waiting for the invitation to come in. Yes, exactly. And something else to consider is making friends with your local reporter. <laughs> yes. That is a great exposure that is free. Um, if you make a relationship with a local writer and talk to them about, like we said, all the things that make your place different, something that is newsworthy, something that's going to catch a headline. Um, and just, you know, like I said, form a relationship with those kind of people and have them get the word out for you. That and influencers as well. Yeah. So from a PR perspective, talking about working with writers and editors, you know, if you are getting frustrated because you're seeing competitors getting news coverage, well, turn that on head and look at who's that reporter and contact them and say, hey, mm -hmm. compliment them. I saw your article on X, Y, and Z. If you'd like to come experience what we have to offer, you know, we have these things, we'd love to have you in, you know, et cetera. Um, you can make those contacts if you don't have them already. And absolutely, influencers, that's mm -hmm. a whole nother realm, right? Yeah. Um, and this goes to that point of, why it's so important that others 
talk about your business and not just you. Yes. Because the believability factor is huge. And mm -hmm. we've talked about this in previous podcasts that, you know, if you say my business is great, my restaurant is great, come here, you know, our food is excellent, our service is excellent, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. We as consumers expect to hear that. Because right. no one's going to say, well, our service is kind of lackluster, but it's good anyway. <laughs> uh, so it's important to keep that in mind. So if you find somebody like an influencer, or if you can use user-generated content, testimonials, yes. experiences yeah. from your existing customers, that's fantastic. You know, with influencers, a lot of times you can do things in trade. So the cost is really, really low. Um, you know, you have food costs, but otherwise there's not going to be other costs associated most of the time. There are some influencers that do require payment, but that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and similarly, if you've got a really super customer, you know, maybe it's somebody that's been coming to your restaurant or bar for years, or maybe they're just there every week. You know, treat them to a free meal in exchange yes. for doing something. Uh, it could go a really, really long way. And that's super low cost. Yes, yes it is. And again, it's just relationship building, which as a bar restaurant is super important. Okay. And, you know, I'd like to go back to as well, making your restaurant stand out, giving this reporter something to write about, giving this influencer something to experience. And, you know, you're not just a restaurant, you're an event destination. It's your an ideal date night location. Maybe your wine list is super expansive and covers many different regions. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you have branded merchandise or you're holding events or you have live music. Think about all the different ways in which your bar and restaurant can incorporate things that people are going to come and enjoy, specifically at your place. Right. So if you don't already have those things planned, there is some additional free advice is get involved in your community, mm -hmm. host networking events or things like that. Do keep in mind your target audience, right? Before right. you go having every single after hours networking event, uh, <laughs> that could be a problem. Um, but also think about slow times. You know, that's mm -hmm. a great idea too, is when you can capitalize on that. So maybe you have a lunch rush and you have a dinner rush, but you've got some time in between. How do you capitalize on that? You know, is there a way to host uh, meetings or events or different things in that time frame? Um, and then again, are there groups where you could invite them in? And so you're doing something good for the community, but you're also creating more awareness. Um, so long as the folks that are coming are your target audience. Yes, exactly. And whatever you decide, it has to be authentic to you and your brand, and it has to be consistent because customers will come to learn what to expect from you, and you have to uphold that. If you're going to uphold those relationships, if you're going to get those testimonials to share, you're going to have that loyalty. Right. So you might think, you know, if you are more of a casual restaurant or a bar, maybe you could invite, you know, local sports teams. If there's like a softball league or a bowling league or something, you could have them come in. Um, you know, if you are more of a professional environment, it would be a good place for like a work lunch, then maybe a chamber makes sense. Um, so just be thoughtful about how you're doing that community engagement right. um, and really establishing those relationships so that you can be a resource, yes. um, which leads to the next thing. And I briefly talked about this was loyalty programs. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have a lot of experience doing those. Maybe you can talk a little bit about loyalty yeah. programs. Yeah, loyalty programs are a super great way and easy way often to reward those loyal customers that keep coming back that are going to spread the word about your bar restaurant to their friends and family. The ones that you really want to treat to something nice because they're bringing other business for you going right. back to your bottom line. Um, so things like, you know, point systems, or it could be something like if you have their birthday in your system, giving them a birthday reward. Can I tell you how much I love that personally? <laughs> yes. Because Jan my birthday's in January, just in case anyone wants to know, send exactly. me a little something. Yeah. Um, but I look forward to that because all month long, it's freebies. Oh yeah. This get morning. a free burrito, free coffee, free dessert, whatever. 
stack it up. I'm here for it. Oh yeah. Yesterday was my birthday. I came in this morning with my free Starbucks. So that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. And loyalty programs are really, really powerful if they're used correctly. Exactly. Right. So I know some of you might be thinking, oh yeah, sure. Great. It's just another way for me to give something away. Well, think beyond that, right? Because the idea is you want someone to come back repeatedly and then ultimately you're rewarding them for that behavior. So mm -hmm. it really is a win-win. And if structured correctly, this loss leader should be a very low cost loss, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and think about the structure. So you might have a loyalty program already built into your point of sale that you capitalize mm -hmm. on. There are many of those specifically in the restaurant industry. Right. Um, or you could create your own. I mean, this goes from like ultra old school with like punch cards, hey. <laughs> which can be hacked, so probably not the best way of going about things, uh, to digital elements. Um, but also make it super, super easy for the consumer, right? right? So sign up should be easy. Think QR code, put in my name, my email address, bing, bang, boom, and we're done. Mm -hmm. And then think about beyond just this transaction of having them come back and you have their information, how do you now use that information? Mm -hmm. So how often are they coming? Are they coming on certain days of the week? Um, if they haven't come in for some time, can you remarket to them and get them to come back? You know, right. they're a laggard now, so you want to have them come back in. You know, they already like your restaurant or they wouldn't have signed up for this loyalty program. Mm -hmm. um, you might also think about requiring additional information or making it optional. Sometimes people don't pay attention. If those fields are optional, they just automatically fill all of them in. Or if they're doing it on their phone, it might do it for them. Right. right. The more data, the better, right? So if we can get, mm -hmm. you know, their name, maybe it's a zip code, um, you know, how they found you, et cetera. You can think about what's important to you and your business. Uh, but leveraging all of the data is a really powerful tool. Yes. And going back to leveraging the contact information as well, um, you can send them surveys. Like, let's say you're trying to test out something you're thinking about adding something else to your menu or you're thinking about launching an event series mm -hmm. those customers are going to be the ones that are going to give you the most valuable feedback because they know you right they actually care because right. they're in this program and mm -hmm. you can also um kind of leverage and that's sometimes looking as a dirty word but in this case it's really not right. um you can leverage that engagement because you can explain to them like we really want your opinion mm -hmm. it's valued get their buy-in make them mm -hmm. feel like they're part of this decision but don't forget the important part if you are going to do a survey is then you prove that you heard them and yes. did something with it yes. so make sure that that follow-up is there so they can see oh yeah I remember they asked this question I did that mm -hmm. etc and now I'm seeing it in life yeah invite them to the tasting when you put out that new menu absolutely mm -hmm. yeah and that's a great way to get user-generated content as well it is because these are individuals who clearly care about your brand they like your establishment and so you can invite them to share their feedback their opinions etc yes Speaking of feedback and opinions, we do have a tradition at the end of every episode where we answer a question. And this is one that we get a lot from our restaurant partners. Right. So this time, instead of like sourcing one from you all, we thought, mm -hmm. let's just pull one out that yeah. we know is relevant to this. Mm -hmm. So do online reviews really matter? Do I have to respond to them? Okay. I get it. I'm a business owner too. And sometimes you get feedback and you're like, really? Uh, one of my favorite examples actually is um, not restaurant related, but again, a lot of this is applicable in different industries. Yeah. Uh, we worked with a boating attraction company some time ago, and they received a review from someone who was very upset that he got wet on one of their excursions. And the owner, of course, rolled his eyes and thought, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't have to reply to this. But we did, and our counsel was actually, I know it sounds silly, you would think everyone would be prepared for that, but hey, here's an opportunity for us to go back and look at kind of a research and development perspective mm -hmm. and say, let's make it clear what you can expect yes. so you can avoid future mm -hmm. situations like that. So yes, 
I would say, and I'll, I'll just jump in, mm-hmm. you do, online reviews really do matter. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about reputation, we're talking about user-generated content. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly powerful because if you're trying out a new restaurant mm-hmm. and you see a bunch of good reviews and then five bad reviews recently, you're like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know if I'm gonna go there. Yeah. Or if you see a bunch of five-star reviews and you've never been there, you don't know these people from Adam, but they've all had a great experience, you're gonna be much more willing to try. Yes. And this is the world we live in now. Oh, it is. You know, it sure. used to be, hey, Hannah, where do you go eat? Mm-hmm. Well, now I can go online and mm-hmm. find all of these things. So. Yeah, Italian restaurant near me, and then you look at all the reviews. And, yeah. you know, going back to that example, I think it showcases a really good point about responding to the negative. Because, of course, responding to the positive is always easy. You know, you thank them for their yep. great compliments, and it feels good, and everybody's happy, and then you get the negative, and it's like, oh, what do I do with that one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's oftentimes a really good opportunity to explain your side of the story, not in a argumentative way. Right, you don't want to be defensive. That. No, you never want to be defensive, but it is a good way to show other reviewers you've come to this uh, situation with grace, and here's an here's an explanation of why this might have happened or here's an explanation of our policy that we might have that applies to the situation mm-hmm. it showcases other reviewers that one you care two you're not being defensive or argumentative you will approach any negative situation with you know professionalism and grace and it's an opportunity to kind of just Clear the air, maybe is a good way to put it and i'd even add to that use that to improve your team Yes. Um, Because if there was something where, hey, we could have handled this better, you know, here's a learning opportunity for our staff. If the situation comes up, here's how you handle that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's tons of ways to use that. And I think that's really great, too, because as a consumer, even if I'm looking at reviews, whether it's for any kind of business, a professional service, a restaurant, what have you, and I see that the business has replied only to the positive ones, well, then that leads me to write my own narrative around the negative. Mm-hmm. Were these true? Did this mm-hmm. actually happen? Right. And so you can really direct that public opinion if you acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And I also say on the flip side, there are a lot of businesses that don't reply to the positive. You should do that. You just well. take it for granted. You absolutely should do that. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just, thanks, Hannah, we're so glad you had a great experience. Right. Acknowledge that person because mm-hmm. in this day and age, you know, everybody's on their phone all the time. Mm-hmm. Even when you're walking through your restaurant, your bar, you see people on their rest of their phones yep. all the time. <laughs> And the fact that they took a few moments to write something positive that they didn't have to do, that you didn't ask them to do, speaks volumes and definitely should be recognized. Yes. And use that in other ways. You know, use that review in your social content as well. You know, it's like we said, it's going back to letting other people tell your story for you. Yeah, exactly. If you get a great review on Yelp, you can always use that review and just abbreviate the person. You don't have to put their whole name. Right. And it can just be mm-hmm. Hannah, for example. It doesn't have to have everything on there, but definitely leverage mm-hmm. that, of course. Mm-hmm. So we hope you liked this industry-specific example. We'd love to hear from you uh, if you want other industries covered, professional services or otherwise. Um, we're going to kind of switch things up, make some things general, some things specific. Right. So we'd love to hear from you. Yes, but always tune in if it is specific because, like we said, things are totally crossover between industries. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining, Hannah. I appreciate it. Um, And we look forward to our next podcast and hope you'll tune in again. Yeah. In the meantime, keep pushing.